Lucas on Life. Hello, welcome to Lucas on Life. I'm Jeff Lucas coming to you all the way from freezing, snowy, but rather beautiful Colorado. This week, we're talking about the challenges and the opportunities of prayer. I've never really been much good at prayer. Perhaps I need to join a, a group. You know, hi, my name is Jeff, and I'm addicted to activity and conversation. Hi, Jeff, the group responds in unison, hopefully. So while time alone, anything less than an hour, is surely helpful for me, extended solitude quickly becomes solitary confinement. As a wilderness hermit dedicated to prayer and a diet of grass and goat droppings, I'd be absolutely rubbish. Even the mention of the word prayer intimidates me, and I'm not alone. Most of us labour under the impression that everybody else is better at praying than we are. This feeling is compounded if you've ever read a book written by one of those bionic mystics or saints who, 300 years before there was anything on the TV, would pop off to the woods, crawl into the boughs of a log and have six blissful weeks of fasting and prayer with apparently zero effort. I could never aspire to such dizzy heights. I'd probably give myself to 20 minutes of fervent prayer before exiting the log hastily to a. remove errant woodlice from my underwear and b. break my gruelling 20-minute fast by demolishing a double cheeseburger. Perhaps you feel the same way, and so maybe we should adjust our thinking about prayer. First of all, Scripture freely acknowledges that we will find prayer tough. So if we're challenged, we're not bad, we're just human. We do not know what we ought to pray for, says Romans chapter 8, verse 26. This is the mighty apostle in a confession that nudges me to headbutt a tambourine with gratitude. I so appreciate Paul's honesty in acknowledging that talking with someone who is invisible isn't that easy. And then the pages of the Bible frequently portray people struggling to pray and falling asleep as they tried. Jesus' disciples, hand-picked to change the world's history, remember, drifted off into exhausted slumber no less than three times in the Garden of Gethsemane, even though Jesus had specifically asked them to stay awake, alert, and do vigil with him. The thought of them snoring their way through one of the most epic junction moments of all time, a habit of theirs, they got sleepy during the transfiguration too, fills me with hope. As for lengthy prayer times, I'm encouraged that Jesus countered the Pharisaic idea that the only good prayers were long prayers. We might need to pray at length, but we don't have to set a metre running. Here's a thought. It's better to pray for five minutes a day than it is to believe that you're supposed to pray for an hour a day, but not actually pray at all. I'm trying to be more practical about prayer too. Shared prayer with another is good and easier, but sometimes it doesn't feel like it truly counts as much as the solo variety, which is odd, seeing as we're specifically instructed to agree in prayer, which obviously involves others. And then I like to go for a walk when I pray. Not only does this double the benefits, giving me a physical workout, as well as the opportunity for time with God, but I've discovered that it's fairly difficult to drift off to sleep while walking. Not many people slump to the ground in slumber while trotting along the high street. As a non-Anglican, I've found liturgy useful at times. Sometimes I use common worship as a foundation for my prayers, mainly because there are times when I can't think of too much that is useful to say and quickly get bored with the sound of my own voice. It's a bit odd, though, because it's designed for congregational use, 
which means that there are parts for the priest to say and the responses are required from the people. But I do both bits. The peace of the Lord be with you, I say to myself, and also with you, I respond to myself. But I've found a way to feel less silly about this. I use different voices. A little odd, I agree. And so do I. Hi, I'm Sam Hales. If you're enjoying Lucas on Life, you'll love the Profile podcast. Every week, we sit down with a leading Christian to find out more about their life, faith, and testimony. Here's Joyce Mayer. Anything that we give up for God, He gives it back to us multiplied so many, many times over. I encourage anybody to make whatever sacrifices they need to to be in the perfect will of God because there's no better place to be. Listen to the full interview with Joyce Mayer now on the Profile podcast. Just search for The Profile wherever you get your podcasts from or visit premierchristianradio.com forward slash The Profile. I'm Jeff Lucas. You're listening to Premier Christian Radio. This is Lucas on Life, and we're thinking about the challenges and the opportunities of prayer. And of course, that includes prayer together. There are a few announcements that tend to make my palms sweat and my heart skip a beat. That nervous, panicky feeling rushes upon me when my friendly dentist kindly advises me that what he's about to do is going to hurt just a little. Horrendous agony, guaranteed to tip me into the abyss of insanity, is just around the corner. An entire toolbox of fiendish, cold, stainless steel instruments of torture is about to be placed in my mouth, helpfully subsidised by the National Health Service. Similar nervousness breaks out when an airplane pilot announces that there is a slight problem. Actually, the cockpit has fallen off. Nigel, the pilot, they're all called Nigel, and his crew members have already landed. We, the passengers, have not yet landed. Tough. And my stomach flutters when the worship leader beams an enthusiastic grin and says in a high-pitched voice, let's have an extended time of worship, shall we? We will now warble our way through 300 PowerPoint slides, many of which are misspelt and some of which are illegible. These slides are sometimes shown out of order and will actually only be displayed during the singing of the last verse, at which time the second verse will be displayed. We will feel led to sing each of these songs at least twice through. Even if we do not feel so led, we will sing the songs. Even if our Lord Jesus interrupts the proceedings with his long-awaited second coming during the worship time, we will still sing those 300 songs. But as a speaker who travels around quite a bit, there's another jaunty little announcement that is guaranteed to cause some trembling in the Lucas boots. It goes like this. We'd like to get a few people together to pray for you before the service, Jeff. Help. Dial 999. Call the Samaritans. Agony cometh. Oh yes, it all sounds so very innocent, even kind, and definitely very spiritual. But I feel a flutter of concern when I am told that I'm going to be prayed over before a meeting, and I am not alone. Many of my fellow itinerant preachers, themselves executive club members of the Granada Services Loyalty Programme, share my terror of the pre-meeting prayer gathering, a terror which is increased a hundredfold if the word intercessor is casually mentioned. This means that the spiritual stormtroopers are being brought in. The no, God isn't death, but he isn't nervous either in Jesus' name brigade. Much volume, foot stomping, flag waving and tambourine chewing ensues on these occasions. My friend Adrian Plass often tries to escape these pre-meeting prayer times by hiding in the toilet. It's a sad, pathetic sight to see one of the best Christian writers in the world hiding in the cubicle, trying to handcuff himself to the system. 
Some are wondering why such anguish is caused by these well-meant gatherings for prayer. Why is it that Plas sprints to the loo and I sometimes would rather have my toenails extracted than be prayed for before meetings? Lest you be concerned, let me say immediately that it is not because I am cynical and unbelieving. I am convinced of the value and the power of prayer. And I have absolutely no doubt about the sincerity and spirituality of those who gather to pray. Actually, I really am glad that people are taking the time and energy to call upon God to move. So why this allergy to the pre-meeting prayer meeting? Well, first of all, these gatherings can be quite physical. Most Christians are nice enough, but the practice of prayer gives them the perfect excuse to spit in your ears, face, and generally pebble-dash your Bible with saliva during a time of high-octane intercessory fervency, which is quite frustrating, especially if you've showered before the meeting. And then there's the joy of being the centre of a circle of praying warriors, some of whom have gently placed their hands upon your shoulders. Others, who feel inclined to massage your back, rub your shoulders and neck, which can be quite pleasurable, but it's unseemly to moan with pleasure during intercession, and still others who like to place their hands on one's chest, stomach, knees and feet. The use of anointing oil exaggerates the terror even more. I once emerged from a prayer gathering with my suit jacket mottled with greasy thumbprints, enduring souvenirs of an over-enthusiastic prayer time. There is also the problem of predictability. Less physical prayers stay on the outskirts of the circle, often springing up and down on their toes during prayer and telling God what his name is. Often there is great concern that no one member of the Trinity might feel left out of the occasion. Oh, Father, we really just pray, Jesus, that you, Jesus, God, Lord, Holy Spirit, Father, will come, Jesus, Father. Others find it helpful to headbutt tambourines or walk around the room punching the walls, which are innocent of any crime. Code phrases were often used on these occasions. For example, the employment of the biblical quotation. We just thank you that where two or three are gathered together in your name, there you are in the midst. Normally means... We're not expecting too many people to show up tonight, God, but your presence would nonetheless be most helpful. Another code phrase is, we just really thank you that if one person, just one person, becomes a Christian tonight, then it will have all been worthwhile. Interpretation of this goes like this. No one has become a Christian around here for 45 years. We've blown the entire evangelism budget for the decade on tonight's little bash, so a result of some sort would be nice. Every denominational group, most certainly including my own, has its own jargon. But sometimes I long for a little more down-to-earth reality in prayer. Another problem is that these gatherings can actually be quite antisocial. It's bad form to arrive at an event during the pre-meeting prayer time. As a fully paid-up member of the human race, I often feel the need to nod, smile, or even do something like mutter hello when I meet people for the first time. Don't even try this with a group of pre-meeting prayers. They will often respond to your nod or wave with a determined blank look and excuse me, don't you know that I am conversing with him above expression. I often feel nervous about knowing how to behave during these prayer times. One time I was artistically arranging my book table so that God's people could fulfill the will of God for their lives in the purchase of fine Christian literature. The event organiser came over smiling lulling me into a false sense of security. So then, Jeff, let's be having you. We'd like to pray before we start. The organiser saw a flicker of anguish in my eyes at the mention of the prayer bit and pressed the case home. We really insist, Jeff. We are waiting. Come. 
Like a lamb led to the slaughter, I followed this intercessory Schwarzenegger into the little room at the back where a group of very lovely people were engaged in reminding God that he needed to show up. The group were kind enough to gather round me, and as I placed my hands together, fingers pointed upward under my chin, in the thoughtful contemplative stance that I often adopt for these occasions, another helpful posture, particularly in renewal meetings, is the open hands fill my cup outstretched position. But on this occasion, the praying hands method seemed right. All was going swimmingly well until I suddenly got an itch in my thigh and quickly snapped my right hand down to scratch it discreetly. Unfortunately, I failed to realise that the aforementioned event leader had placed her hands out towards me, and as my hand snapped down thighward, I chopped her arm, karate style, in the process. She cried out in pain. I felt very embarrassed and mumbled an apology, but this was drowned out by the prayers, who assumed that the dear sister was experiencing a Holy Spirit manifestation. Two or three people stepped at her side, murmuring, More Lord, don't ever have a heart attack in a pre-meeting prayer gathering, you could be thrashing around the carpet frantically trying to suck some air into your lungs while God's gathered people wave their arms around, grin in delight, and ask God to give you more. But for me, the greatest problem about being prayed for is the pressure that often comes packaged with the prayer. Despite disclaiming comments like, Oh God, we know that you just want Jeff to be totally relaxed and be himself tonight, which tempts me to look up and say, OK, if that's the case, right now I'm not sure if there is a God. Does anyone else fancy preaching? Often the pre-meeting prayer brings a back-breaking shed load of expectation. I often turn up for meetings quite filled with faith and genuinely have a sense that God is going to be at work and then feel the tonnage of the hopes and prayers of the prayer group. Oh God, no pressure, but we are aware that Fred is bringing his auntie Mabel tonight. Thou knowest, O oh Lord, but we shall nevertheless remind you and Auntie Mabel is a chicken-sacrificing Satanist with only 15 minutes to live, and this, therefore, is the very last Christian meeting she will ever attend. So, put the words in Jeff's mouth as he preaches, words that will convict her, save her, heal her, and turn her into a Malaysian missionary by this time next week. And may the blind see, the deaf hear, the dead rise up. But no pressure, Lord. I listen with sinking heart, feeling now a rising sense of inadequacy. I consider my sermon, which seemed so inspiring and incisive when I wrote it, and now it seems about as inspiring as the mortgage deed on my house. And the prayer for healing reminds me that I now have a headache. Having prayed that the Lord would remove the dull thud in my forehead, I have just taken two aspirin without water. The tablets have left a powdery taste in my mouth, a reminder on my taste buds about my limited success in the area of healing. Raise the dead, not tonight, I think. And so, as the saying goes, let us pray. But let's not spray, make speeches, or shovel an inordinate weight of pressure upon the poor unfortunate who happens to be delivering the talk. And as we pray, let's ask the Lord for the padlock combination. Somebody needs to unchain Adrian Plass from that cistern in the bathroom. Hi, I'm Sam Hales. If you're enjoying Lucas on Life, you'll love the Profile podcast. Every week, we sit down with a leading Christian to find out more about their life, faith and testimony. Here's Justin Welby. Part of my daily prayer discipline is praying in tongues every day, and not as a sort of occasional thing, but as just part of daily prayer. Listen to the full interview with Justin Welby now on The Profile Podcast. Just search for The Profile wherever you get your podcast from or visit premierchristianradio.com forward slash The Profile. That's God of Wonders from Rebecca St. James. We've been thinking about the challenges and the opportunities of prayer. 
Prayer is offering our suggestions to God. Now, that very thought might be a challenge to us. We tend to think that it's God who just issues commands. Like, for example, when it came to the church in Antioch, where God made it clear that he wanted Paul and Barnabas to be set apart there for the work of mission. God giving the commands. The man from Macedonia, who later says to the Apostle Paul, come over and help us. That's God not just making the suggestion, but issuing the directive. But there are times when we are able to make suggestions to God. Not all of them will be well received. James and John suggested that a Samaritan village be nuked, and Jesus rejected that suggestion. The disciples suggested that Jesus send the little children away, and again, he rejected that. But when Peter walked on water, it was his suggestion. Of course, he wanted to make sure that this was a good idea in the thinking of Jesus. Lord, if it's you, bid me come. Nevertheless, he made the suggestion. So let's be bold in prayer. Let's make suggestions in faith and be faithful if they're not heeded. Because you see, as we acknowledge that God is really open to those suggestions, we discover that this partnership between him and us, which includes prayer, the challenges and the opportunities, is perhaps more substantial and is loaded with more potential than we ever imagined. See you next time. Lucas on Life.